a happy Sunday, everybody. Glad everybody can make it back here, and I uh, hope you've had a dry week somewhere. That's what me and Nat was talking about. It's about to flood us out. He said he's going to quit raising corn and start raising rice. Some of y'all get it. <laughs> it's been wet this week. Uh, we're still doing the baby bottles um, next Sunday. It's Father's Day. Believe it or not, right around the corner. So try to get all your baby bottles filled up with $100 bills, $20 bills, $10 bills, and get in here, checks, blank checks. Yeah. <laughs> D said, yeah, blank checks is preferred. Uh, but if you can get these in, I don't know where they're going. Are you getting them as they come in? You're getting them as they come? Okay. I, I put another in there this morning. Uh, so get these in for this weekend, for next weekend. If you didn't get any of these, grab them on the way out don't want any empty ones left here and still i gotta push this out one more time uh, still needing volunteers to sell tickets at the highland games for the uh, the baptist association um, fifty one hundred dollars will be donated back to the association to go towards the scotland project if you can help call rose gates and let her know and i've got her number right here and i think i think that was it um i think that was it all right, we're going to be over in 1 Peter 1. So going to kind of follow up with Keith's lesson last week, or the lesson that I think everybody had last week, on hope. And we, the lesson was great, and I've just sat out there, and I've, I've studied this week, and just I just can't get off of that. And I love, I love thinking about this living hope that we have in Jesus. And um, he said this morning that we've got about two more, two more studies out of 1 Peter going on. And it's just, I think it's, uh, I think it's just right. I think we're in a time that we're living in right now where we need to be encouraged by the, the blessed hope of Jesus and the hope that we have uh, in the resurrection. For churches nowadays and for Christians too in general, um, there's a lot of persecution that's going on right now. And we're being persecuted for preaching the gospel. There's so much going on in this world right now that, they say is all right you, you see in this world like this month i can't stand this but i will go ahead and bring it up they call this month pride month and and they and the the lgbtq rstuv whatever that whole bunch they they they're trying to push that agenda on everyone and if a christian stands up and says that's not what my bible says then we're considered bigots and and hate mongers and everything else and so when we take a stand for what we know is right and what we know is right and not just what we believe in but what we know is right when we take a stand then we are persecuted now i don't see the church going out here and demonstrating and i don't see the church going out and burning flags i don't see the church going out and rioting I don't see the church going out and making a big scene in the world right now. But yet we say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, then we are persecuted because that's what we believe. And so through persecution that the church and the Christian is going through right now, we need to know a couple of things. Number one, we need to know that we are secure in Jesus. We need to know that we are secure in God's hand. There is nothing, and I talked about it last week, there is nothing that can separate us. Paul said it in Romans 8. 
There's nothing in this world that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing. We are in his grasp, and he is not going to let us go. But the second thing that the Christian in the church needs to know right now, and this is where we're going to be at today, there is hope. There is hope. We need to be reminded of that every now and then. We need to be reminded that even though we're going through really rough times right now in this world, that there is still hope for the church, there's hope for the Christian. And for, we can't forget that. We need that reminder in our lives. And that's great news for us. Not only is God holding us secure in his hands, but we have hope in his word. Hope is what keeps us going. I love this. Psalms 39, 7 tells us, And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. My hope is in thee. That's the only place that we can put our hope is in him. That's the only place that we can put our faith and trust is in him. If we put our hope in mankind, we have failed. If we put our faith and our trust in mankind or anything that man has come up with, we have failed. But when we put our hope, our faith, our trust in God, we have succeeded. And we're going to continue to succeed. Why are we succeeded? Because we have a heavenly home. We have the promise of, promise of eternity. Because of that hope and where we have placed our blessed hope. Hope is what says, I know that things are bad now, but one glorious day, it's going to get better. One, not just one day. I mean one glorious day, things will be better. There'll be no more sin. We've read Revelation. You know what the book of Revelation says. There's going to be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more heartache. That should give you a smile and give you some hope. Hope says, I know my life is full of sin. I know my hope's full of, uh, or my life is full of sickness and, and sorrow and, and all the bad things that come in this world. But one glorious day, I know things will be much, much better. That's hope. That's where we put it. This morning, Peter's going to tell us of that great hope of a believer. And I'm going to say that again. The hope of the believer, the Christian. Now, the non-believer, the non-Christian, whatever you want to call them, they can still have this hope, but they got to get things right. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I don't want to get ahead of the game here. Now, remember the, the hope that we have in Jesus. It's a living hope. I don't just want to say hope. I can't just say we have hope. We have a living hope. We have a hope that continues past the grave. And that's what a living hope means. Is It's not just a hope that we have for a moment and then we die and we lose it. A hope that we have right now is a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a deceased hope. It's not a decaying hope. It is a living hope because we serve a living God. And we put our faith and trust in a living God. So we have a living hope. Living hope. Always remember that. A living hope. A, a living hope means that it's not a possible hope. I remember, it, it's not just a possible hope. It is a living hope. It's not the kind of hope that may or may not come to pass here or now. It, it is going to come. We're going to have this living hope for eternity. Once we go by the grave or by the rapture, we're still going to have that living hope because where are we going to be? In the presence of a living Savior. And so with being in the presence of a living Savior, I want to have a living hope. Eternal life. 
is, is a living hope because it's a reality. Living hope is a reality, and it's kind of hard for us to remember that. It, it's a life that really exists. It's in another world, though. It's, it's, in a, it's hard to explain to somebody, but it's in another world. It's in the spiritual world that we haven't seen yet. We haven't experienced it yet fully. The, the best is yet to come. The best half, we haven't even experienced it yet. So we cannot tell people fully, 100%, this is what it's going to be like. We haven't experienced it yet. But I've experienced God's grace. And I've experienced God's mercy. And I get to experience His love daily. And that should be enough to keep us going. And that should be enough for us to, to tell people about the goodness of this living hope that we have, and about the goodness of this Savior that we have, and about the things that will come to us after this life here is, is over with. But we have a living hope. If you got your Bible over to First Peter, turn uh, or stand with me just a moment. We don't have a lot to read. First Peter chapter one, will be in verse three. Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray. Father, this morning is... Uh, we come to you, we thank you for this blessed hope, this living hope, this eternal hope that you have given us. God, I thank you for giving us hope. Lord, in the world that we live in at, at this very time, we need hope. God, we, we can't put our hope in anything that our government can try to provide. We can't put anything uh, in, in, uh, in mankind that they're trying to provide. There's nothing that this world can give us that we can rely on. But, Lord, we can put our faith and our hope and our trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, and know that we can rely on that and know that it will never disappoint. It will always provide for each one of us. And I pray today, Lord, that you would just continue to remind us and work in our hearts and, and let us see that blessed hope, that living hope that we have. We can see it come to fruition today. We can see it uh, come out in our lives tonight, today, or I'm sorry, today. And, Lord, this week we can have a better understanding of how much we depend on that blessed hope that you have provided for each one of us. Lord, I want to lift up those to you today that we know that are, are sick or suffering. Father, I pray that you just have a, a touch there. I want to lift up a, a dear friend of mine, Carla. Lord, as, uh, she's had a, a blood clot in her lungs. She's down at Baptist right now, and such a dear, sweet lady. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, continue just to touch her body and help those as they go through some experimental treatments with her to uh, remove that clot from her lung. And, Lord, just get her back home safely with her family. And, Lord, just want to thank you again for your grace and your mercy this week. Lord, we've had a lot of rain, but you knew we needed it. And I pray, Lord, it continues to grow the crops that you have provided for us. And I pray, Lord, that uh, when it's time to harvest, we'll have an abundant harvest this year. We love you and we praise you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a, have a seat if you want. Or stand, I don't care. Just don't lock your knees. First thing we're going to look at this morning out of out of first peter here is the source of that living hope and verse three tells us about the source 
of this living hope. And, and I'm going to look at it again with you. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The source of that hope, of our living hope, is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot right there. That's just the first little bit. The God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's my God, and He is my Father. And we talk about it often, but that makes us join heirs. If He is Jesus' God and Father, and He is my God and my Father, that makes us joint heirs with Jesus Christ when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. I am a joint heir with my Lord and Savior. That will make you a little happy right there. Joint heirs. That is my God. That is my Father. That is my King. That is my Jesus. And so he's telling us right here to, to look at who our Lord Jesus Christ is. And he's telling us right here, uh, and this is where you're going to find your hope. You look to Jesus for your hope. Look to Jesus Christ for hope. Now, first thing he says, he, look at, he says, Lord. He is the Lord. He's, he's Jesus' Lord. He's my Lord. He is your Lord. He says, look to the Lord. He can't be your mama's Lord. He can't be your daddy's Lord. He ain't going to be your grandpa's Lord. The Bible says he has to be your Lord. Now, he can be your mama's and your daddy's and your grandpa's. That's, that's fine. That's personal to them. But what he is telling us in the Bible is that he has to be your Lord. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to make him yours. It's got to be personal. I hope your mama and your daddy and your grandpa's got him. But you know what? You've got to have him too. In order for the living hope to be yours, he has to be your Lord. Make it personal. That's, that's a personal statement right there. We all got to have that statement. That's called testimony. We got to make it personal. So make him your Lord. When Jesus is your Lord, then you have made the, the decision to, to surrender your life to him and to make him or to have that relationship with him. The Holy Spirit has drawn you into that salvation. The Holy Spirit's drawn you. You're not forced. You know, I, as a parent, there's things that I, I want so much for my children. And, and we're all the same boat. All parents want the best for their children. One of the things that I cannot control, I can control a lot of things in my kids' lives right now. I can control a lot. Me and Maria have that responsibility and that obligation to control certain things in their lives. There's one thing I can't. And that's their salvation. Daddy can stand up here and preach every Sunday. But the Bible says, No man cometh unto the Father but by him. It ain't by me. I can't go over and grab Paisley by the hand and drag her up here and say, You're going to get saved today. That's a decision she has to make on her own. That's the decision we all have to make on our own. You cannot be forced into salvation. And Jesus tells us over in John 6, he says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me, 
draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. It's got to be drawn. Not forced, drawn. That I probably told y'all this, I don't know how many times, but I like this. Whenever I started preaching, uh, Donald Critchard, over at Samaritan's Purse, he, he worked down in the warehouse. And one of the greatest things he ever told me about preaching and pastoring was this. He said, you treat your flock like a bunch of chickens. He shocked me, but he was right. He said, if you go at them with the word of God, just like you do feeding chickens, if you throw the feed at chickens, they're going to scatter, but if he's gently laid out at your feet, they're going to follow, and you're not going to scare them. If you try to force someone into salvation by cramming the word of God down their throat, you're going to scare them, and they're going to run, and they probably ain't going to come back. But if you're gentle with the word of God, and you're gentle with your speech, and you pray for them, and be easy on them, it'll happen. They'll be drawn, and they'll follow. So it's up to you. You're going to control that. It's not just an emotion or a feeling. It's a conscious decision. It's down here, not up here. It's a conscious decision we make in our hearts to accept Jesus, to repent of our sins, and to receive Jesus. We have to, it, it is something that we have to do. Secondly, he is Jesus. Remember that. He's Jesus. He's some, he's a, he is a, he's a great person. He's a great someone for us. He's a great friend. The carpenter from Nazareth came down from heaven, left the comforts of heaven. God in the flesh, like we said with the kids, God with skin on him. That's Jesus, the man who was sent into this world to be our Savior. He's not just another prophet. He's not just another good teacher. All right, he's not just another one of those little G gods that somebody's supposed to be worshiping. He's a big G God. He is who he claimed to be and will always be that. I am that I am. That's who he is. This is the living hope. And if this living hope is going to be yours, you have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. As part of that salvation, you've got to believe he is the Son of God. You have to believe that he was born of, of a virgin. You have to believe that he did die. You've got to believe that he was resurrected. We've got to believe that he is at the right hand of the Father right now. We have to believe he is who he says he is. Now, I'm not past tense in that one. That's current. He is who he says he is. He is my Jesus. Third, he is Christ. He is the one promised by God to save man. Save mankind. Keith was all over it again this morning when you was talking about he, God knew. He knew before Adam that he was going to have to send his only begotten son to die for us. He knew that. But he is the one. To escape the wrath of sin, you have to be saved from that wrath. So we needed a Savior. Didn't need a lamb anymore. Didn't need that blemishless lamb the little lamb, we needed the lamb of God. That's what we needed to be saved. We needed that Savior. The Bible says it's not by works, not by works lest any man should boast. It is through salvation. We gotta, it's not on our own power. I, we can't do it on our own power. I ain't strong enough. Honestly, I'm a pretty weak feller. And you know you're a weak feller whenever you get down and ask Jesus into your heart. You're a broken person. 
you have found that you cannot do, you have no strength on your own whatsoever. You're at your weakest point, and that's when God saves us. When we realize we just cannot do it on our own, and we have to do it through the blood of Jesus, who is the Messiah. The Messiah. He is God's Son. He is the one that was chosen by God to, to come down here to earth for us and to be sacrificed. For by grace are ye saved. For by grace are ye saved. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. A gift. A gift. A free gift. He said, here it is. You can have it. This is yours. Verse 3 teaches us a lot about how to obtain that living hope. Today we need this hope that comes through Jesus. Because we're not going to find that hope anywhere else. I'm sorry, you can get on Google all you want to and try to find hope, but you ain't going to find it. Lord help you try to find anything on Bing. You ain't going to find any hope on the internet. You're not going to find any hope in the classifieds. You ain't going to be able to go out here and take a track hoe and try to dig up a little bit of hope. It ain't going to happen. There is no hope out there for us. There's hope up there for us, and that is in Jesus. We need all that we can get. When we look around and we see corruption, when we look around in this world, it is everywhere we turn. We're going to see more, and it's getting worse and worse. We see more and more corruption, but what else are we seeing? More and more death. Corruption and death. I don't know how many obituaries I got in the past two days. I get the, I told you all, I get those email updates from Austin Barnes and Hamptons, and it just blows my inbox up every day. This just keeps rolling in. It keeps rolling. Rain Sturman's going to have to get on board. I need to start getting some of theirs. We're seeing corruption, and we're see, seeing death. We were born. It's, I, I thought about this last night. We're born to die. We're born to die. I don't know if y'all listen to Much Bluegrass or not, but Bill Lawson and Quicksilver's new song come out. And it's not a Christian song. It's not a, a gospel. It's not one of his little things that he does. But the first few parts of that song really has, has had me thinking. The fact that Mike Cole is singing, it just disturbs me because he can't sing a lick. But to hear the first part of this song has made me think about this message today. And I'm going to read it to you. I could sing it if Mike Cole can sing it, Chad Cole can sing it. He says, the day you're born, they sign a piece of paper that will certify the date of your birth. And the day you die, they sign another just to prove you've gone back to the earth. And in between those two pieces of paper, there's a truth that is so hard to find. And the story of your life is written, but you must read in between the lines. You ever thought about that? I mean, that's, that would almost make a gospel song right there. What are you doing from the day they sign your birth certificate to the day they sign your death certificate? we got a lot to do. There's a book. That's the, that's the first page and the last page of your life. First page is your, your birth certificate and the last page is your death certificate. What are you doing in between the two? What are we doing for Jesus in between the two? He says you got to read between the lines. we got to read. We've got to do stuff for people to read between the lines. What are we doing in our lives? There's so little time between birth and death. So little time. 
between birth and death. I don't, what is the average now? Where's my nerd? What is it, Hunter? 78-ish? Life, you know, the average age, you think, is like 78? Now, isn't that crazy? Young, that don't sound like much, or it sounds like a lot. The older you get, the <laughs> don't sound like much anymore, if that's the average age. What are we doing with that time? Very little, very little time in there, just a little blip. If we're absolutely honest, we would see that we are all dying. Now, we don't want to talk about that, I know. But we're all dying. We're all dying away. We don't want to be that honest, but it's the truth. And it seems like life is a, a pretty vicious cycle sometimes. Some people make it a few years, some make it a long time. What was it you said, Gideon, your great-grandpa was 98, 98 years old, still kicking, still driving. <laughs> still driving, 98. My grandpa was 101 when he passed away, and he wasn't driving. But what are we doing in that time span? We're born to die, every single one of us. So the question is, how does God stop this process of corruption and death? Y'all probably thought I was chasing a squirrel there, didn't you? How does God stop corruption? How does he stop this death that we're having to deal with? How does God give us this living hope that we need right now? We know it comes through Jesus, but how does that happen? I'm going to give you one word. I can sum it all up right here. Mercy. Mercy. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Mercy. His abundant mercy. Abundant. Overflowing mercy. All right, when we didn't get just a, a when we're saved, we don't just get a limited amount of, of love and mercy and grace. Right, he doesn't just divvy it out to all of us individually. And we all get a certain amount, but we do get a certain amount. We all get 100%. We get all that we need, all that we need. His mercy, it tells us right here, his abundant mercy, and it will never run out. We may try him and try him and try him, but his mercy is abundant. It will never run out. We're just too sinful, and God is just too perfect. I mean, he is perfect. And the only hope that we have is that God will have mercy on each one of us. And he does. He has mercy on us daily. Daily. Mercy means that God, he withholds that judgment. Think about how we treat God. Think about how we treat the Father. Think about how we treat the creator of this universe. We're pretty rough on him sometimes. We ignore him a lot. We ignore him, and then we neglect him, and we're going to fail him. And sometimes we'll go out, and we're going to rebel against him, and we're going to curse him. And one of the things that we do as Christians is we doubt him, and that's just a little short list right there. We don't treat God with reverence anymore. We don't treat him the way we're supposed to. How could anyone, how could anyone treat him that way, knowing what he has done for us? But how could anyone be so bold or stupid, I guess, I'll say it that way, to say that they've done enough good things in this life that they can get to heaven. They can't. That, that's what the Bible calls them a fool if they think like that. We need the mercy of God to receive 
We need his mercy. We have to have that mercy. We're going to receive that mercy, and we're going to get it daily, and we're going to be given that blessed hope. Because of that mercy that he has given us, we get to see that hope. And it's because of the mercy of the Almighty God that we receive that living hope, that mercy that he just absolutely pours out on us daily. The living hope through Jesus comes by the new birth. That verse says, hath begotten us again. You know what that means? That's a, that's a rebirth. When he says, hath begotten us again, that means born again. That's what we are as Christians. Born again. A new birth. We have Kylie over here. I still I don't know your family, but I know, I'm always going to mix her up with the other one. We have Kylie over there. That's, that's a new birth right there. But at some point, she's going to be reborn. That's my prayer, is at some point she'll be reborn. Ethan's the same way. Ethan's young, not very old. Hadn't been around here a couple, two, three years now. But at some point, our prayer is that he will be reborn. I like that. I love that reborn. Hath begotten us again, which means reborn. And we're born into the kingdom of God. We're made whole. We're made a new creature. There's no hope for eternal life unless a person is born again. That's what you need to understand is there is no hope for any of us unless we are born again. Jesus tells us, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God unless a man be born again. Unless we are born again, we'll not see the kingdom of God. If you walked the aisle and you prayed a prayer, and you turned around and you walked out of that church and you didn't feel any different when you left than when you came in, you probably need to get something right. That happens to a lot of people. I was one of them. You get up and you do what everybody else is doing just because that's what, everybody, that's what the cool kids are doing. Let's get up and go to the altar real quick and then we'll go have ice cream. And you find out a few years later that you was wrong because you had no change in your heart. You had no change in your life. You still thought the same bad thoughts and done the same uh, bad things in your life. There was no change. You was not reborn. You just done whatever everybody else was doing. But you still have a little bit of time. There's still an opportunity for you to get things right. When you're born again, you should have this desire to do things differently, to act differently, to talk differently, to think differently. That's the desire. You're going to want to do that because you're going to want to honor God in whatever you're doing. You don't want to disappoint Him. He is our Heavenly Father. How many people in this life would ever want to disappoint their Father? I don't know any. I don't know a person that would want to disappoint their Father, and I'm definitely not going to try to disappoint my Heavenly Father. So you're going to want to do better at life when you're saved. This living hope comes by the new birth. Verse 3 says, Unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That resurrection of Jesus from the dead has set him apart from any other, I don't know what you want to call him there, any other person who claims to be divine. I don't, I don't ever recall reading a book that says Buddha was resurrected or any of those other little G-gods. None of them was ever resurrected. That's what sets him apart, number one. He was resurrected, number two, that means he's still alive. So I serve a living Savior. 
Number two, I want you to look at the inheritance of the living hope. Verse four tells us, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. What, what is this inheritance for us believers? It's a great one. It's a good one. I don't know if y'all ever received an inheritance in your life. I'm, I'm not. My dad's spending mine right now. He tells everybody. He'll, he'll go out and buy something. It's usually on the girls or, or Cody or Cole. He'll go out and buy something. And he tells everybody he's just spending my inheritance. That's why he mounted all them deer. Spending my inheritance. I want you to see how it's described there in verse 4. Our inheritance is un- incorruptible, which means it can never perish. Incorruptible. I love that word. I love the way that the, the Bible uses that word, incorruptible. That means it does not age. It don't deteriorate. It doesn't die. Incorruptible. And then it says that our inheritance is undefiled, which means it's pure, unblemished, unstained, clean, clear, unblemished, undefiled. It means that our inheritance will be free from sickness. It's going to be free from sadness. It's going to be free from depression. It's going to be free from cancer. It's going to be free from all these, these bad things that we're dealing with right now in this life. It means our, our inheritance is going to be undefiled. All things we suffer on this earth, they're not going to exist in heaven. And then our inheritance says, <laughs> I love this, fadeth not away. Fadeth not away. What we do with things that fade away? We get rid of them, don't we? Maria was sitting there eating supper last night, and she's looking at the, the kitchen table. And she's talking about how it had faded or tore or something. It was just it was ready to go. It's time to change it out. We don't have to do that in heaven. Because things don't fade away in heaven. Flowers don't fade away. You know, these flags, after so long, these flags that we fly outside, they're going to fade, and we've got to get rid of them, and we've got to put a new one up. We fade. Things are going to fade. Vehicle paint is going to fade. But when we get to heaven, things don't fade. It It will last forever. Our new and our perfect bodies will not wear out. Our hair is not going to fade or thin or whatever you want to call it. Because it's going to be perfect. Our inheritance in ke- and it's, it's in heaven. Our inheritance is kept in heaven where we don't have to worry about anything fading. Our inheritance is kept in heaven with God. And so we don't have to worry about anything happening to it. And it's kept there for us. It's being held there by God himself. All right, it's not, he didn't just put it over, you know, in the corner and say he'll get it when he gets here. He's holding on to it for each one of us. God's waiting for us to finish up what he's got us doing down here right now so that when, we're, when he's done with us down here in heaven or in earth and we get to heaven, then we're going to get that inheritance. He's going to turn it over to each one of us. And I'm thankful that it's in heaven. I'm extremely thankful that my inheritance is being stored in heaven right now for us because I've seen what this old world can do to things. One of my favorite songs is Where the Roses Never Fade. I love that song. And it, it tells us at the very beginning, it says, I'm going to a city where the streets are made of, or, or streets of gold are laid. And a tree of life is blooming and the roses never fade. He says, here they bloom, but for a season. Soon their beauty is decayed. I'm going to a city where the roses never fade. Never fade. We don't have to worry about all the beautiful flowers and the tree of life and, and all the, the things that he has in store for us in heaven. We don't have to worry about them. 
ever needing to have a facelift. When I went to London a couple years ago, you know what? The only thing I wanted to see when I got to London was Big Ben. All my life, I've seen pictures of Big Ben. All I want to do is get up there and get me a picture of me and Big Ben. Big old clock tower. Why, I don't know, but I just like Big Ben. He was getting facelift. (laughs) All the way up the side, all you had is scaffolding and tarps. I didn't get to see Big Ben. When we get to heaven, my mansion ain't never going to have to have a new paint job. I'm not going to have to have a new roof put on it. Gutter ain't going to leak. Ain't going to be no rain, probably. We don't have to worry about things fading away. So my, my heritage right now, or my heritage, I'm sorry, my inheritance right now that's being stored, it, it may be up there. Well, it's been there since 98. So whenever it's time for me to get there, 97, I'm sorry, I said 98, since 97. So when I get there, it, it may be a while. Maybe, I don't know. But it won't be faded. It's going to look look as good the day I get there as it did in October of 97 when I was saved. It's not going to fade away. Number three, and we'll finish on this one. Look at the assurance of this living hope. Verse five says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith and to salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. If the temptations and trials of this, of this life are, are so hard, how do we know for sure that we will receive the living hope of eternal life? How do we know that? Do you ever? I know a lot of people question eternal life and security. A lot of people question security, and I think that's just another one of the tools that the devil uses, doubt. The devil uses doubt all the time. But we question it. And there's scripture after scripture, and I don't know how predestination, how they ever come up with this stuff. But there's scripture after scripture that confirms, verifies, whatever you want to call it, that we are secure when we're saved. There's no reason for us to ever doubt our salvation. So when we're saved, there's no reason for us to doubt our eternal life. How do we know that we will not fail and come short of the great day of redemption? How do we know that we're not going to fail God and lose our home in heaven? How do we know that? There's, there's, in these two verses, there's two answers right here. There's the assurance of God's power that keeps us. That's enough right there. It says, who are kept by the power of God through faith. We are kept. When God says he's going to keep us, he's going to keep us. When God says that he's going to love us forever, he's going to love us forever. When God says that he's going to provide for us, he's going to provide for us. God's not a liar. So whatever God tells us, he's going to do. So God says he's going to love us. God said he's going to send his son, and he did. God said he was going to provide us a savior, and he did. God said that he was going to prepare us a mansion, and he has. So when God says that who are kept by the power of God through faith, that's what's happening. He's keeping us by his power. It's one of those OMs that we can't ever get right. I'm, I'm omnipresent, omnipotent, and the other one is all-powerful. Which one is it, Keith? Put you on the spot. It's one of those three. He's all-powerful. So if the Bible says that we are kept by his power and he is all-powerful, then he can't lose us. We, don't have, we shouldn't have to worry about that because we are kept by his power. 
That word kept means to preserve or protect. Isn't that what you do when you can things? You keep it. You put it in a jar, throw it in a pressure pot, and a little bit later you take it out and you want to eat all dozen jars of stew that you just canned. That's, that's the way it works. Not the sausage. That wasn't good. Just so you all know, don't put Crisco in with your sausage when you, when you can it. Tastes terrible. Such a waste. Kept means to preserve or protect. God's power is protecting us through all the trials and temptations of this life. He will keep us. He is going to keep us. will always keep us. And we don't have to worry about that. We don't need to be worried about our salvation. Once, I'll say it again, once saved, always saved. No person will ever receive the hope of eternal life unless they truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't get it anywhere else. It's only through Jesus that we'll receive that blessed hope, that living hope. If you will stand with me, we're going to close out. This living hope that we have is only in Jesus. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. You can try to find it. Do all the searching you want to. Turn over every rock you want to. Every log. Watch for copperheads. But you're not going to find that hope anywhere else but Jesus. If you've got any questions about that, let me know. If you want to argue that, let me know. I'll argue it with you. Just let you know I'm going to win. <laughs> that right, Paisley? Anybody have anything on their heart this evening before we close out? Nothing? I can't even get Ethan to talk. <laughs> Nothing? Jonathan, will you dismiss us, please? All right, I should be back online in the morning.